0: Yeah, time for another constitution. And I don't know if that's a full statement or a question, but that's the statement of our show. Uh, here on History is here to help. And Peter Hoffenberg, a history professor, he is here to help us help history. And um, and Andrea Freeman uh, is here to help help both of us, but especially from a legal point of view. In fact, in that regard, I would like to ask Peter to say hello and also introduce Andrea. Wouldn't that be good?
1: That would be nice, aloha. Uh, Welcome to everybody. Uh, Professor Freeman, thank you very much for joining us, particularly at the uh, last minute. Let me just briefly introduce you because we're more interested in what you have to say, but uh, Professor Freeman is a full professor at William Richardson School of Law, which I think you all know is a proud jewel of uh, University of Hawaii at Manoa. Uh, She has uh, published extensively, uh, currently working on her third book. Uh, She is returning Fulbright Scholar, so much to her own acclaim, and also I think UH's acclaim. It's it's wonderful to have Fulbright scholars here. Uh, we've asked her today uh, to talk about uh, what Jay was tentatively, in his tentative way, articulating as what we might say the constitutional crisis in which we now see ourselves, or at least I think a fair number of people see themselves. So we've asked Dr. Freeman to help us figure out. Well, first of all, I mean, is this a crisis or not? Right. Sometimes when people say that, it isn't really. And Dr. Freeman not only teaches con law, but has a very profound understanding of how we might rethink the Constitution. So welcome. We're looking forward to your contributions. And Jay, my old friend, take it from here.
0: Okay, Andrea, I have a tough question for you. Um, why don't we just leave it alone? <laughs>
2: the Constitution, just leave it as it is.
0: Leave it as it is.
2: Sure.
0: Let us muddle through on what the founders thought was the, you know, the essential technique.
2: I think what we need to keep in mind is that the founders never expected us hundreds of years later to be relying on that document to govern ourselves now. Right? They wanted the Constitution to evolve. They, they just even couldn't conceive that we'd still have originalists, you know, we'd have people thinking, well, what were you thinking back then? Because they knew that wouldn't be relevant.
0: Well, we had 27 amendments already. Some of them more profound than others, uh, but you know, if we if we stop right here and and maybe wait for a groundswell of interest in other amendments going forward, uh, you know, in other words, do what we've been doing for two hundred and thirty somebody, You know, um, w- would that be okay?
2: I guess we have to ask ourselves: Is it working? And I think most people right now would say it's not working, right? So. That implies a need for change.
0: Okay, so the answer then is uh, we do need to do something. <laughs> and then you know, then the question is, and this is raised by um, the article that you guys have seen, Don Fraser, in the Hawaii News Network. Um, should we use uh, targeted amendments or should we sweep the whole thing out and have a, a, Hawaii const- a Hawaii-styled constitutional convention where nobody knows what's going to happen? do
2: you you want to jump in or do you want me to keep going
0: yeah keep going
2: (laughs) okay um yeah i think the problems are too fundamental to just keep adding amendments because the problem is the constitution is deliberately vague in the areas that i personally consider most important which is the individual rights section of the constitution We just don't have anything circumscribed. So it's far too open to interpretation. So I'm inclined to scrap the whole thing and start over again with more of a rights-based constitution, which would be very specific about which rights are granted to the people. And then we can go from there.
0: Okay, Uh, But let let me ask this. And I do want to go through all of those with you. But I think at this moment in time, we should We should pause for a moment and and ask about the logistics of doing that. Uh, Hawaii constitutional conventions have not, you know, been terribly um, easy. Um, We haven't had one since 1978. Um, And, um, you know, query, uh, how would that work on a federal level? It sounds to me like it would be a melee in the fullest sense of the word. Uh, how, How exactly would we scrap it and start fresh?
2: Yeah all thoughts on that, please welcome, <laughs> right? With that, that is the challenge because the content what, that we would end up with, of course, depends on who writes it. And that's the problem we're seeing now, right? That the content of the, the constitution, how it's interpreted is based on who's interpreting it. And that's what we want to avoid.
1: Could you explain for our viewers uh, what you mean by the problem of rights in the current constitution? and what you would envision appreciating Jay's uh, melee and everybody swinging whatever hot dogs they happen to be eating, uh, could you help us figure out what's wrong with rights? Because everybody's always claiming the constitution protects their rights. Uh-huh. Uh, what's wrong with this constitution in that sense? And then how would you, let's, we'll talk about the mechanism some other time. <laughs> we may have to get Milner in here to talk about the political balance. <laughs> but what do you as a scholar think of as the new constitution would protect rights either differently by definition, etc. cetera. But yeah. what okay. do you, so what, could you yeah. what's wrong and what would it be replaced
2: with? Yeah. I, I think I know what you're asking, so I'll take a stab at it. So, you know, to go to the heart of probably the most controversial issue right now, Dobbs and, you know, abortion rights. So the problem with abortion rights is that they are not specifically written into the constitution. They come from what we call the due process clause and one word, which is liberty, and an interpretation that was sort of constitutionally or at least legally questionable when it was made because it did write a lot into something that is only one word. Right, implying a right of privacy, uh, implying a right to to uh, intimacy, right, you know, the protection of intimate parts of your life. That's not written anywhere. And that's what the justices now have relied on. And in that sense, they're not wrong. But we do have a belief, as you just said, that the Constitution does protect some minimum right some floor of individual rights but that they're not written into it except for things like you know a right to free speech which again is far open to interpretation. So what we need to do is to get from a constitution that is so vague an interpretation that is relying on how are we going to define one word, and since it's not defined. We're going to go back and do our own interpretation of history, of tradition, of things that are completely up for grabs in terms of how you want to interpret them, and then say, that's what the Constitution demands. That makes it too vulnerable and susceptible to the political whims of whoever's doing the interpreting.
1: So, how would you determine which rights, though, would be embodied in this new revised? but I not even revised new constitution. Like how would you determine whether privacy of the body is going to be a right or
2: not? Right, I mean, one one potential way of looking at it is the way that some people have approached it now, looking at polls, you know, looking at what we understand to be the general desire of our population, right? We see people are in the majority in favor of those types of rights. And then there are some rights that I think we wouldn't even have to question, a right to shelter, a right to food, you know, certain basics, health, that are not even guaranteed by our Constitution, but that every person, just as a matter of human dignity and being alive, deserve.
1: Right, which is an assumption about what is the public good and that housing is a public good. it's fascinating. I don't know, Jay. You think it's fascinating? I think I think it's absolutely. Well, no, I,
0: I you know I think there's. Um, and so many my mind things is like raised,
1: that? Because as a British historian, right, uh, I'm used to an organic constitution. So you know, one might even propose that we scrap the idea of a single document, and our constitutional future does not rely upon a single document, but takes much more of a, a British or British influenced. I'll just throw that out there because I can I can see the difficulty of. The majority sense of rights in 2022 may not be the majority sense of rights in well I don't know with climate change. let's go to 2050 and see when it all ends anyhow um so I think that that's fast fascinating i mean what what mechanism would you include then for adding rights as we proceed along
0: Right. you yeah. suggest you suggest peter and uh, and and uh, andrea that and um, some of the problems you've identified, and we have many to go, are can be resolved by Congress overnight. Congress could uh, codify uh, Roe v. Wade. Uh, Congress could straighten out the voting rights. Uh, it could adopt, like the United Nations adopted last month, uh, uh, you know, a, a grand, profound statement that everyone is entitled to a clean environment. Um, it could fix gun control. Um, and so you could take this kind of statute by statute approach and uh, maybe that's like the British system um, and clean everything up statute by statute.
2: I think we have problems there, though, because, you know, what we've enshrined in our jurisprudence around the Constitution is that the, the courts, the Supreme Court, can say that a law violates the Constitution and is therefore void. Right. So... Even if these things become codified, if challenged, the Supreme Court can still strike those laws down and say, no, sorry, it's unconstitutional.
0: So, well, let, let me you, go to one other oh. thing about this, and, and mm-hmm. that is that we know, on all the issues I just mentioned, that the country is not of the same mind. We have, we have a clear divisiveness on, I mean, a hard divisiveness. Uh, in my bubble, your bubble, will never agree divisiveness. Um, on many, many important rights and other issues, including mechanical issues, including legal issues. And so um, if you couldn't get Congress to make those changes, how in the world uh, could we ever get an, an, uh, you know, anybody in this country to come together on fundamental points? Uh, And and I think, um, you know, it is an impossibility uh, to agree on any of the things that we are divided over and, and when, when, you, when you have that kind of situation, what you usually have is a remaking of the, of the uh, social compact, of the legal comp- compact, where the members of a jurisdiction agree that this is the way they will govern themselves, and that is often accompany, accompanied by war and bloodshed. Uh, how in the world are we going to get this together? I, I totally agree we need to get it together. We need to take a, a clean sweep and start from scratch. But doesn't that involve uh, rethinking the social compact and having the the two sides agree by arms?
2: Is this a call to arms? Is this what's happening right here?
0: <laughs> but is, but uh, it, um, that's a question.
2: Okay, you're not you're not trying to incite a, a revolution.
0: <laughs> no, we don't we don't have any weapons with
1: nail guns that we're going to fire into offices. Um, Let me take a slightly, a complimentary uh, path, which is recognizing the significance and importance of your overhauling and starting afresh. Uh, Let's say, uh, let's talk slightly smaller. I just wanted to get your sense as an expert about what your views are. So one of the issues is, look, the court is a problem, as you suggest, Uh, but it's a problem that could be resolved with a few measures. So I just wanted to do a a quick, as uh, Senator Graham would say, a rama. What is your view, for example, of enlarging the court?
2: Yeah, I'm in favor of that.
1: Okay, that's easy. All right. Uh, What about this notion that um, there should be uh, an age by which one should retire?
2: Absolutely. As a person who who clerked in in, uh, federal courts for four years and have met many A judge, I think that's a wonderful idea.
1: Okay, as long as it doesn't cover professors. All right, there's no actual
2: I'm perfectly willing to retire. No, you're
1: very young. young. (laughs) Jay and I are the AARP members. You're a youngster. Okay, Uh, the third one, which um, I hadn't really thought of before. The other two are kind of obvious ones. But that uh, each president, during a term, regardless of whether somebody passes away or retires, Gets to appoint somebody. Does that sound reasonable?
2: Sounds fine to me. I, I don't, I, I'm not. I mean, I know
1: you have the big, you have the big macro. Yeah. And I really, no, I really appreciate that. I think it's fascinating. Um, as Jay suggests, we should have you come back, though, to talk about that because that really does involve the social compact and the public good. It's a fascinating topic. And so let's kind of hold on to that um, and talk about it. But also, so you you would think that potentially, by changes in the Supreme Court, access to, numbers, et cetera, some fresh blood, we might, in a macro way, be able to resolve some of these issues?
2: It might be more balanced.
1: More balanced.
0: If it doesn't solve some of the big problems. No, no, but I'm,
1: I'm thinking along, look, I mean, your, your claim is a common claim among historians that the only time we've you know, seriously rethought our constitution. Seriously. And Linda Colley talks about this in her book, We're Not Alone, is war, right? (laughs) 13th, 14th, and 15th are not there without 700,000 dead Americans. Um, And so while I appreciate the macro needs, I also think this is a society and the world today with globalization is a society where where order, where order is the top priority, right? So how, how are we going to get reform while making it still feel that people uh, are living in a, a social order? I mean, that yeah, you know, they, worries me. I mean, what, today, what we I
2: need... hope, sorry. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, I hope we don't need that many people to die to change, right? But I think it's a sort of a profound insight into what is happening with gun control laws, because we are seeing on a on a just a smaller level right people being killed every day because of our refusal to limit gun to put sure. and, they're,
1: and they're killing right. themselves i mean suicide is one of the
2: yes but also children right i mean like i would think if there's one thing we can all agree on is we do not want to fear when we drop our kids off at school every day that they won't come home because they'll be murdered
1: okay so that leads very easily into uh, a second branch of reform, which is the Electoral College.
0: No, oh, it leads to the Second Amendment. Right. First, yeah. it leads to the okay. Second Amendment. Possibly. Which then- is not well-drafted. I mean, what kind of a grade would you give to one of your students who drafted the Second Amendment as it is written? I mean, the language has changed. The standard of drafting has changed. The way we speak to each other has changed. The Constitution could be improved all across the board by, you know, updating the quality of the language.
1: Okay, so that that's the solution. We'll, we'll, we'll get yeah. a grammar. We'll get
0: a grammarian.
2: I wouldn't give a very good grade to the people that have interpreted it the way that they have now. <laughs>
1: okay, instead of fair a, instead of a Senate. <laughs> parliamentarian will get a Senate grammarian. Alright, how do we take away from today? We'll call it the DC comma not the Oxford comma um, but as you, as you know, because of your research and your reading, et cetera, uh, among the major issues is what to do with this electoral college. And that, to a certain degree, is connected to guns, right? Because the states with the disproportionate amount of power, <laughs> electoral, with the electoral college, are really the places much more likely to allow folks to walk around. So what is your thought as a constitutional expert about what seems to be an atavism? But certain people still like the filibuster, hold on to it. What, what's your view about if we should do anything about the electoral college?
2: Yeah, I mean, these are, are vestiges of enslavement, right? And so I think we need to just kind of purge the constitution of anything that was a result of compromises made for certain states to preserve their economy, you know, and to, to try to, to keep the power that they had. Through enslaving people,
0: So you know, for, one of the things. One of the things that uh, is in that article um, um, in Hawaii News, uh, Hawaii, um, uh, what is it? News yeah. Network mm-hmm. um, is is this whole notion, and it was it was a, a fundamental problem at the beginning of the country. Is uh, what what extent did the rights of the majority uh, trump, and I hate to use that word, uh, the rights of the minority? And we're still we're still playing with that and in fact the rights of the minority seem to be alive and well even in the face of the rights of the majority um and i guess the question i would ask you in that regard andrea you know can we get rid of this thing with the rights of the minority um if you are in the majority you should run the country that's the way it is and if you want to run the country then get into the majority but but you can't have the rights of the minority um, twisting the rights of the majority. And that's exactly the flaw that Trump has been playing with and McConnell uh, since the beginning of their terms.
2: But this is a problem because it really depends on how you define majority and minority, right? Because when when I think about minority, one of the groups that I might think about is trans individuals, right? Transgender. So they're in a minority. They need their rights protected. The majority would not like to protect those rights. So there are some situations where we cannot shut people out because they're in the minority. right? We need to have ways to preserve. The problem is when the minority that's controlling is not the minority you identify with or agree with, then it it looks like more of a problem. So, I think
1: the other, yeah, the other issue, right. I think, is when we talk about rights, is we have this uh, zero-sum game mentality, right? <laughs> that if I give you a right,
2: right,
1: I'm taking a right for myself. I think oh, that's, a that's a real, a, a real existential's problem. And I do blame, in part, the founding parents for that. Uh, the notion that they're, uh, I need to sacrifice. something. Now, they would have agreed, because that's the nature of a social contract. It seems to me that's become fray. These are my rights. You have no. You have no rights. Um, my rights mean okay. I'm taking rights from you. Uh, and it's been work done by this more on the philosophical line, and it may be in keeping with your new constitution that we need to rethink the notion of rights. So it's not a zero sum game. So like the majority, the majority who may not want to provide rights for transsexuals. Need yeah. to understand, transgender,
2: can, people. transgender
1: I'm sorry, for transgender, yeah. I apologize. Me mm-hmm. uh, can understand that in granting and protecting that community, they are in fact <laughs> protecting their own. Mm-hmm. That's what worries me in a social frame, that it's my rights to hell with yours. And you know what? I know I'm depriving you of rights, but it's my right to deprive you of rights.
0: Yeah. I and think we're conflating rights and power. You can talk oh, yes. about the the trans, and that's certainly a matter of rights, you know, individual rights, uh, it, it, as we have known them, constitutional rights, right rights for the person. Um, but the rights that that I think we're to focus on, uh, which control everything, is 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 the the decision making uh, rights, the decision making yeah. power, uh, the electoral I college, answer, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so forth. Can can you talk about that?
2: Well, one thing I think we should mention when we're talking about those kinds of rights and power is how the court very early on in this marbury versus madison case that is you know considered fundamental to constitutional law it's it's taught in the first class of constitutional law in almost every case situated the ultimate power to interpret the constitution in the supreme court but it did not have to be that way right that power And that decision-making could be shared among the branches. So I think that's a reform that that we should bring up and we should think about because then we have the you know the good parts of saying okay we need a branch that's not political even though as we can see now that is not the judiciary right the judiciary is very politicized right now but ideally it is not to balance some of the representation of minority interests, such as what I brought up and what you've you know distinguished. But we also want to think about, Peter, as you said, the majority, you know that that the majority should have some power. And there we're looking at the legislative branch. And then we also want to look at the executive branch and say, you know, we, we have not just a president, but we have all these agencies who are actually running almost everything in the country and so have a lot of insights into how things should be run. And why can't we have more of a balance between those three branches instead of situating it in these nine individuals?
1: So how would you see, that's very important. I mean, separation of powers, yet working together, et cetera. So I mean, one argument is that basically since Congress can't do anything by default, right? Almost by default, it's gone to the courts. How would you see that uh, in the last couple of minutes working out practically because as you say Marbury versus Madison is the first year and kindergarten is the first grade and separation of powers etc so how would you see that in your new constitution
2: playing out yeah okay so we'll do, now you're back to mechanics so I think we're, that's that's a different conversation I, I'm gonna Fair, say really enough. You can take broader the principles, principles and,
0: and ideals. ideals yeah but that, well, that's where it always winds up Right. It yeah. always winds up, as Peter said at the outset, this is a crisis, because the existing Constitution, I totally agree, is not working. And people can drive trucks through it, uh, and, and, and the country is suffering mightily over it. Um, but there's no easy solution to amend it, to, to change the fundamental points. The, the two senators per state is is baked in. You're very hard to amend that. Um, and you, and for that for that matter, amendments are hard, especially when you have a you know a divided country. Uh, so we we always come back to the fact that this is a crisis. The country is in a crisis, and and there's no easy way to get out of the crisis. And and you know the conversation about what parts are working and what parts are not working and how you would change them is is may I say may I say this, Andrea? It's almost futile. <laughs> I mean, f f u t i l e rather then, than that both Peter's both definition both of doodle.
2: Or maybe both. It, is, maybe both.
1: it <laughs> is very much, very much, but we just have a different kind of aristocracy. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this has been wonderful. Uh, and what would you like to leave? We have a, a minute or two. What would you like to leave the audience thinking about? And we are definitely going to have you come back. And maybe we'll get you together with Milner and Navi and we can have a nice chat about what a different constitution would look like. But what would you like to be the takeaway for are thousands of listeners.
2: I just want everyone to understand that when when the justices say, this is written in the Constitution, this is here, they're usually lying. So <laughs> maybe take a look at it yourself, you know, Very and tell the okay. words and, and understand okay. that you have just as much uh, insight into what it might mean as they do.
1: Okay, that's a wonderful way to... And uh, thank you, Jay. Uh, Thank thank you, Professor Freeman. Very much. Last I
0: think we've we've learned today, as we have learned before on similar shows with Peter and me and others, uh, is that the country is very complex, much more complex than the the founders thought. Uh, How could they know? Um, And it is getting more complex on a social and legal level. And and to address all the issues that come down the pike is really a chore. And um, I, we have to get our act together if we, if we are to survive. And so, uh, Andrea, you and your students and the people who might participate in rewriting certain provisions or in creating a convention over it uh, are ultimately going to be uh, among the most important people uh, to save us, all of us. Uh, thank you, Peter. Peter Hoffenberg, history professor. Andrea Freeman, a constitutional law professor. Uh, great discussion, but it is only in a very complex world the only the very beginning. I hope you agree. I know you agree. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Bye.